The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Bring in show music, please. Hi there, I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on Squawk Pod, we're heading into the metaverse. What makes this blockchain project different from all the others? With Andreessen Horowitz general partner, Ariana Simpson. We think that focusing on actually understanding the content and viewing this as a major technology shift rather than a short-term financial asset is a critical part of the story how her firm is deploying the world's largest crypto fund to build up our new reality, even when the markets are topsy-turvy. We view Web3 as the next computing platform and major technology platform. So our investors and our portfolio companies are very much dedicated to the mission, um, regardless of where we are in the market cycle. Plus how Web3 is already changing work life at Accenture with CEO Julie Sweet. When you are um, talking on a Teams call, only one person can talk at the same time. When you go to the Accenture Metaverse, you talk to the person near you. Uh, you can't hear the people that's farther away, and you can move around the room. It's Friday, May 27th, 2022, and Squawk Pod begins right now. This week, if you've been following along, was the first in-person World Economic Forum since 2020. And one of the topics that kept cropping up was whether in-person meetings are slowly being rendered less and less necessary. In fact, a lot of companies are betting that they are, or at least that an extended reality with virtual identities, virtual experiences, is just as valuable to users and to company bottom lines as the IRL. Now, quick disclaimer. The term metaverse, while popularized by Zuckerberg and the infamous Facebook name change, is not all that useful. What we're talking about here today on the pod for clarity is a 3D virtual reality that's built on the blockchain. Now, as you probably know, Meta doesn't have exclusive rights to this concept. There are hundreds of metaverses more and more cropping up every day. Some of them are built by companies you already know like Roblox, The Sandbox, or Decentraland. And within all of them, NFTs come into play. They can be used as a form of expression to outfit your avatar, for example, or as a ticket to get you into an exclusive Steve Aoki concert or a virtual Gucci store. It's not all fun and games, though. Workplaces like Accenture, as you'll hear later, are using them for more productive virtual meetings. And whether it's work or play, there's a lot of money in it. So, while Andrew Ross Sorkin was in Davos, he joined a panel about shaping a virtual future. On that panel, Meta's chief product officer, Chris Cox, involved in Zuckerberg's $10 billion investment in the project, discussed standards across metaverses. You want international standards, um, especially for things that are especially cross-border, like terrorist content. We already are in the situation where we're operating in Thailand, where there's laws against uh, you know, lay majesty, and we're operating in Turkey where there's laws against de- uh, defaming Ataturk. You want companies to have their own community standards to define their own rules, to 
obviously out in conversation right. with the industry, but also to recognize that that exists in tension with national laws, and in some cases, as we're beginning to see, state laws. Much like the internet, in the metaverse, you're going to have services, uh, service companies operating different systems with different rules. Some are going to be way more open-ended. Some are going to be rated R. You know, some are going to be PG. And some of them are going to have sort of more or less um, strictures uh, around safety and integrity. There will probably be something like a rating system, which we have for film, we have for music, we have for other types of content, so that a parent um, or a young person can have some sense of what the rules are in their environment they're going to walk into. Could this technology render Davos itself obsolete? Possibly, but more likely, other kinds of meetings will fade out first. Here's CEO of augmented reality platform Magic Leap, Peggy Johnson, on that same panel. There's just an empathy that you get in a 3D meeting that isn't possible right now in our 2D video conferencing. So I think a fair amount of those meetings can be replaced. Whether you're buying into the metaverse or not, a lot of other people are. Earlier this week, Andreessen Horowitz announced the world's largest crypto fund, $4.5 billion to back crypto and blockchain companies, including metaverses, all of which count as projects for Web 3.0. Andrew spoke with Andreessen Horowitz general partner, Ariana Simpson. Good morning to you. Uh, congratulations uh, on this new fund. It, it's a big one. But it's also coming at a time when crypto, as you know so well in the world of NFTs, in terms of valuations, has fallen quite precipitously. And so I'm very curious, as you were raising this fund, when that was happening and what the conversation dialogue has been like over the last several weeks. Thanks so much. We're super excited. As you mentioned, this is our fourth fund, four and a half billion, which brings our total investment in the space to over seven and a half billion. And we really think that speaks to the size of the opportunity. We've really had many years of work in the making to, to bring us to this point. And we view Web3 as the next computing platform and major technology platform. So our investors and our portfolio companies are very much dedicated to the mission, um, regardless of where we are in the market cycle. And, and where are we in the market, market cycle? When the, when the limited partners call you up and say, the timing, timing is tough. Or do they say, look, actually, maybe this is a remarkable vintage. Prices have come down. If you buy at this point, maybe they go up. I don't, I don't know. What's that conversation like? That's right. You know, we're very much long-term technology investors. We're thinking in 5, 10, 15-year increments, not weeks or months. And the reality is many of the best businesses, projects over the years, both in crypto and in the technology sector more broadly, have been built during periods of market instability. I think especially in crypto where the prices can be distracting, having the ability to actually just focus on building rather than thinking about volatility or short-term fluctuations can really help. So, you know, we think this is an important part of the cycle and remain very positive about it long-term regardless. But, but what happens in this cycle? I mean, I don't know if you think we're entering some kind of crypto winter. I mean, what do you say to the LPs who ask the question about valuations? Sure. So we actually just published a state of crypto report in which we analyze these cycles. I've been in crypto since 2013, so I'm certainly not uh, new to this to these fluctuations. And what we've seen is that while the prices can seem erratic, there is actually very much a method to the madness. So what happens is that while prices are often lagging indicators in other sectors, in crypto, they're often leading indicators. So what we see is that when there is a price appreciation, that means that new entrepreneurs, new builders, new capital flows into the space. 
Now, some of that is there for short-term speculative reasons, but a lot of it is not. And so what happens is a lot of those builders will continue to build regardless of sort of price activity in the short term. And that's what sets us up for the next boom and the next platform on which all of these applications are actually being built. And and what do you say to the investors who got into some of this stuff, call it 50 percent ago, if you will, and do they ever come back? I know that's always a question. And then invariably, it seems like I don't know if it's the same people that, that keep coming back. But those who, who who bought at the highs and then are, are now here selling it at I don't know. I don't know if these are the lows yet or not. Of course, that can be painful in the short term. We think that focusing on actually understanding the content, what's happening here and viewing this as a major technology shift rather than a short term financial asset is a critical part of the story. Frankly, the space has become too big to ignore. And so regardless of of what people might be thinking about in the short term, it's continuing to build momentum and bring in an incredible amount of talent. We think, you know, when we've seen this across the broader technology sector, not just within Web3, where the best talent goes ends up being the most important part of the market. And so that's very much what we're seeing in Web3. It's attracting all kinds of builders, engineers, marketers, designers, to the space. And that's really what we invested. Uh, within that sphere, where are they really going? And I, I remember there was a period where there was a lot of folks working on different Bitcoin projects. And then a whole group of people started moved over to, to, to ETH. I mean, that became the thing that everybody was focused on. Where, what's the what's I don't, I don't what, what's the sort of the next thing you're seeing right now? Well, what we've seen is that the infrastructure foundations really had to be laid in order for us to have a broader set of applications that could be run on blockchains. We're getting to a point where now that's possible and that's super exciting. And one of the areas within that that we're really seeing a lot of activity and excitement around is the concept of decentralized autonomous organizations or DAOs, which are internet native LLCs that allow communities to come together and organize around a shared goal, whether that's buying a piece of NFT art or building a social community, um, they can be really applied in a lot of different ways. So we're very excited about what's happening there. Ariana, there's uh, some eyebrows being raised at a, an investment you just made in a company uh, that is backed by Adam Newman and his wife, of course, formerly of WeWork. Uh, this is a new blockchain company that he's uh, supporting uh, that's involved uh, with selling effectively carbon credits uh, on the blockchain. Tell us about the the sort of investment thesis, but more importantly, uh, given a lot of the questions that have been asked about his management of WeWork, how you thought about that in this context? Sure. We think the mission of Flow Carbon is an incredibly powerful one. They want to bring the carbon credit market online and enable it using tokens. What that means is that there's an ecosystem of opaque brokers that can be replaced by a more open market. And we think that can do a really positive job of bringing more people to the carbon credit market. Um, in general, you know, we're, we're incredibly excited about the positive real world effects of crypto and Web3. The ecosystem has been sometimes criticized for being very much you know, focused on traders or or things like that. But in reality, we're seeing that it can have major real world impacts. To speak to the Adam and Rebecca issue, though, because obviously there have been lots of questions raised about their ability to manage a business. Sure. Uh, Well, first of all, they've brought in a management team which is running the day to day business, an incredible powerhouse trio that we're excited to work with super closely and have been nothing but impressed by so far. Uh, But I think Adam and Rebecca's vision is a key part of the story. And that's really what gave birth to the company. 
we're very excited to work with them. I think they have an incredible vision for it and, and really want to do something great environmentally here. Ariana, we want to thank you. Uh, congratulations on the new fund and look forward to uh, following your progress. Thanks again. Thanks so much. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, we're getting more on the metaverse and on tech innovation in general from Accenture CEO, Julie Sweet. As we think about our business and what we're doing with clients, every conversation is how do I use technology to save money? How do I use technology to create new growth opportunities through a new business model? What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod, where today we're zeroing in on all things metaverse. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin with Accenture CEO Julie Sweet on the hillside in Davos, Switzerland. Got some good reason to talk about uh, business, the world, and everything that's going on in the global economy. Joining us right now is Accenture CEO Julie Sweet, who uh, has a better perspective on this than than most. You're talking to people from all over. Um, How many employees do you have now total? 700,000. 700,000. So we've been talking all morning as we have. I mean, there's a lot of hand wringing going on here about a recession, inflation and the like. Do you have a different take? Do you have a more positive, optimistic take or you think we're in the soup? I think that there's a lot of uncertainty about the economy, but there's one certainty that's embedded in every conversation I'm having is that IT spending is going to continue. IT spending up. So, yes. And right now it's 5 percent of GDP. It's estimated to be 7 percent by 2030. And so, you know, as we think about our business and what we're doing with clients, every conversation is how do I use technology to save money? How do I use technology to create new growth opportunities through a new business model? And that is continued here, particularly around ESGs and sustainability. But since you live in the IT world, how concerned are you? Or maybe actually this is an opportunity for you. All of these startup companies that may unfortunately not have enough cash to survive a downturn and all of these stock options, which are underwater. Um, is that an opportunity for you to pick people off? Is that an opportunity for consult? What happens? You know, there's a war on talent. Right. So, um, you know, we see ourselves as being a great place because we're doing innovation. Like we have a business in space, right? So when you can tell somebody, hey, you can come here and you can work on space, right? You can work on AI, you can create the metaverse. And so in this kind of an environment, I think we're an even more attractive employer because we have the innovation and we have a lot of security. So the other topic besides uh, recession and inflation and Bitcoin that everyone seems to talk about here is the metaverse. And you are a believer in the metaverse, like in a big, big way. 
We'll onboard 150,000 people their first day at Accenture. They will go into the Accenture metaverse. And when they're there, they're not just going to talk to each other. They're going to go visit an innovation hub. They're going to learn okay, so all about on. Accenture. Just, hold on. So what, when you say that you're onboarding 150,000, and there are 150,000 people are doing this? Over the year. Over the year. And they're going into the metaverse. What does the Accenture metaverse look like? So it's a place. It's right? a place. So you go into the metaverse. You will meet up with other people. So right now when you do the Internet, it's one way. And right? are you talking Oculus using like Horizon so we, or something like that? We use both um, headsets and we use 2D because you actually can experience the metaverse in both with 2D and 3D. Okay. But, you know, like when you are um, talking on a Teams call, only one person can talk at the same time. When you go to the Accenture metaverse, it's like being at Davos in a conference, right? You talk to the person near you. Uh, you can't hear the people that's farther away, and you can move around the room. And then we can port you. So, like, in the middle of the pandemic, when we couldn't take clients to our innovation hubs, I would host meetings with clients in our metaverse. And are take you to a Julie, hub. Julie, or are you, like, a, a cartoon character? What I'm, a, you, I'm an avatar. You're so, an avatar? Right. And uh, I get to pick my wardrobe. And okay. I have to tell you that there's not enough choices yet, but, uh, but I'm an avatar. And, and it's so real in the fact that you can, like, I can come up to you in the metaverse and not hear someone else, that you almost forget that you're not physically with someone. And we've actually built, I hope you go to it, we've built um, in partnership with Microsoft and uh, Klaus and the World Economic Forum, we built the Global Collaboration Village here at the forum to reimagine how we're going to collaborate. Because as great as being here is, you can't actually immerse yourself in an experience. So if you go take a, take a tour of it, we can take you to sub-Saharan Africa and you can see the effects of climate change and you can be talking to people about it and you can do this across the globe. Becky has a question for you back in New York. This is like our own metaverse, actually. It's called it the Squawkverse. Becky? Yeah. You know, Julie, that's really interesting. I just wonder... I mean, is that the end of big conferences like Davos? You're, you're in Davos right now. What's different about what you can offer versus what you're doing right now in Davos? So what's different is the immersive element of it. So the limitation we have here, Becky, is that we're not actually able to go see this. So think about refugees. Imagine if you're taking people to a refugee camp, you're meeting the refugees, you're understanding the real conditions, and then you're problem solving. So it's not an alternative to, but it's also not the same as saying as what you're doing here. It allows in an immersion. And actually there's science. The reason we onboard 150,000 people is the science says that you have 30% greater retention in immersive learning. Now, you can't do that for hours, so they're not spending hours, but there's actual learning impacts as well. Julie, I want to thank you. We'll see you in the metaverse, it sounds like. Absolutely. Um, and we, gotta, we have so many more, much more to talk about. It's kind of crazy that you're doing that. That's where it all is. Um, thank you. That's the podcast for today. Thank you for listening this entire week. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here on Tuesday. Get some rest this long weekend. I know we will. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 